Hey guys, you're listening to the Star Trek Prodigy Review Podcast from the 47th Hour. I'm Toby and I'm joined by my co-host Steve as we review Season 1 Episode 16, Preludes. If you love Star Trek, like and subscribe and why not share your opinions on this week's episode in the comments below. In this episode we learn how the kids arrived on Tars Lamara and the Diviner also regains his memories. It's a filler episode with a brilliant ending. I think they did exceptionally well on the backstory. A little bit sad really for Jankum and, and Rock. Yeah. I thought their stories were brilliant and sad at the same time. Before we discuss the stories, let's talk about the opening on the Dauntless with Vice Admiral Janeway and Tysus listening to Chopin whilst they discuss the kids of the Protostar. I mean, who wouldn't? Great decision. <laughs> now, Tysus has intercepted a transmission and it's a bounty on the kids. Yes. So this gives Janeway a lot of information, doesn't it? Well, she gets their names as well. Mm. When the episode opens up, they've got the classical music on. Mm. At the flashback to Counterpoint in season five of yep. Voyager, where she uses classical music then as well. And it was just like, that was such a great episode. So I was like, this is going to be one of those episodes. Janeway outsmarting everyone, but actually it wasn't that at all. So I shall um, take the classical music thing with a pinch of salt in future. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the Protostar, if you remember last week, they were damaged, weren't they? Yeah. And they're basically trying to fix the drive. And this gives them a lot of time to discuss their backgrounds. Yes. And first up, we have Rock. Turns out she spent a lot of time in a fighting ring. Rock is the monster. And we have another guy who's like the hero. He's like the knight. Yeah. And people love it when the hero wins. The hero always wins. And they even come back and they get his signature. So the fans love him. But the fans are scared of Rock. Yeah, she just wants to be admired like he's admired. And you can understand that. And then one day she decides she's had enough and she wants to win. Doesn't go down well with the fans. Doesn't go down well with the owner. And B decides to sell her. She gets her little moment of glory. Mm. Her joy was so short-lived. You know, I felt, I felt really sorry for her. You just felt for her, didn't you? Yeah, you really did. Yeah. Um, and then we get a little clip of Zero. It's quite a small scene compared with the rest. And he's just spending time on this planet with his family. They're exploring. Yep. And um, he just gets captured. Very reminiscent of E.T. The aliens essentially running back to their ship. And one of them doesn't make it. I was like, oh, zero phone home. You know? <laughs> love it. What I did love about that was when he's presented to Gwen, she actually apologizes for her part in that. Yeah, she feels guilty, doesn't she? So, yeah. Then we head back to the Dauntless. And this is where Accenture is talking to Dreadnought and the Diviner. And we learn a lot, don't we? This is like, oh, that's where Chakotay is. He's also burned his first officer's hair, by the way. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> the top of his first officer's hair is completely burnt. Did Chakotay have a Janeway moment and just phase her? <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> We learn that after the fall of their civilization, the protostar was caught in a time anomaly and appeared in their skies above their planet. They captured the crew and placed the last living construct in the ship, hoping to take the protostar back in time and take up the federation from within. We know this already, but we're just now getting it confirmed and we're seeing how it happened. Yes. However, just before they're able to enact their plan, Jakoti and the crew escape and send the ship back without a crew, placing it out of reach. You know, we were wondering, weren't we, how many other Forknots there were, and now we know there's probably at least a few more of them out there. 
they decide they've got no choice, they've got to go after the Protostar, so they send 100 vessels through the wormhole, each with a single occupant and a dreadnought. That's key. It's not the same dreadnought as before, it's just another one. And they're hoping that at least one of these vessels will be able to find the Protostar. We also learn that Ascension's real name is the Vindicator. Love the name. Yeah, so do I. I thought that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And and that they all belong to some kind of order. Mm. That gives you a ton of scope for storytelling. So yeah, I thought that was brilliant. We also learned that a lot of the vessels that went into the wormhole were actually destroyed. So we know that there could be up to 100, but there's probably not going to be 100, is there? No. But it does give us lots of opportunities there. It does, absolutely. I thought it was genius. Exactly. Uh, we learned that the Vindicator arrived three years ago, and she managed to go undercover, hitching a ride with the only person she knew would be determined to find the protostar, Janeway. Yes. That's wise. That's a great decision. It is. It's really good planning. Better than the Diviners, 20 years on a rock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, arguably, the Diviner was in the right place, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Give him that. Um, Chakotay. We know he was captured on this planet, so we know he's stuck in the future, okay? Right. How are we going to get him back, or are we just leaving him there? I mean, please. Admiral Janeway is so adverse at temporal prime directive breaking, she will sort it out somehow. You just know she will. (laughs) Chakotay was in the future, and the protostar came from the past. I'm like, oh, surprise, temporal shenanigans. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how they're going to resolve it, but then keeps me watching every week, so... Also, at this point, it's pretty clear the Diviner is getting his memories back. Yes. Yes. Then we go back to the Protostar, where we learn more about Jank and Pog. Now, even though Rox was sad, I think this is the most emotional one out of all of them. This is absolutely brilliant. It's just a great, great scene, and you realise, do you know what, he's not as bad as he comes across? I think that's more Tellerite than that is Pog, if that makes sense. True. But I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I love the little computer. State your name and your question. Just brilliant. It was so well written. It was funny and sad. And the fact that the little computer bot is waving as he's ejected. Oh, I was just laughing so loud. Yeah, because Pog's on the Tellerite ship and he's in stasis and an accident brings him out. Yeah. And he meets a little robot computer called Boxy. And Boxy won't let him go back to sleep until he fixes all the broken systems. <laughs> the toilet and everything. <laughs> You've got fire suppression, arboretum, electrics. And each one he says, Glad the Pog can fix this. And then he gets to the toilet and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> if everyone's in stasis, who's the one that made the mess in the toilet? Yeah, yeah. How did that happen exactly? <laughs> he should clean up after himself, shouldn't he? <laughs> I also love how the first one is like a broken valve and he just smashes it with a spanner and it works. And he's like, ah, percussive maintenance. (laughs) Eventually he completes all the maintenance, but it turns out there's not enough oxygen to maintain all 30 crew members to their destination. And within seconds, isn't it? He turns around and says, is there enough oxygen if just 29 crew members did the journey? And it's not too long before his escape pods picked up by the Kazon. So it's quite sad. You just hope that when those guys wake up, they start singing songs about Pog and his amazing um, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Now they've all discussed everything, it's convenient that the ship is now fixed. 
what I like there is that they come to the end because everyone's shared a story and Dal's cheered up a little bit as well because he's realised that he's not the only one that's got, uh, what did Gwyn say, a sob story? Yeah. The best bit of this mm. is when they all turn to Hollow Janeway and I'm like, oh no, don't ask her. Oh, don't <laughs> ask her, please. <laughs> And then she comes out, she dodges the question completely, and she's like, oh, did I tell you about Molly, my Irish sound? You're just like, yeah, well done, Jane, where you completely dodged all that. <laughs> she was the runt of the litter, and then Gwen's just like, oh, just like Pog. I was like, really? You just <laughs> tried to bond as a team. I thought Hollow Jane, got off lightly. <laughs> what would her opener have been? I destroyed the array. <laughs> <laughs> I killed two Vicks. <laughs> <laughs> so now the ship is fixed, they begin to charge the Protostar for kids to fix a drive that doesn't exist anywhere else except for on this ship. Brilliant. Yeah, agreed. Then over on the Dauntless, Vice Admiral Janeway finds out that the kids were captured, sold, traded, and she realises it's not the kids that she should be worried about, it's whoever issued that bounty. Yeah. I love that she came to that conclusion so quickly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just one look and then realising that there was a bounty on them. He was just like, yes, this isn't right. Hmm. Straight onto it. I was just like, well done. Well done. You know? So do you think if the kids escape in the next episode, do you think she's going to be as intent on chasing them? No. No. I, I think she still will just to try and help them. I don't know. This is the thing. She doesn't know quite yet what they've got on board. So it's less likely to be a hunt if you will, it's more likely to be a sort of observational chase. That's if she's in control of the ship at that point. Good point. Because the cliffhanger in this episode is she's unaware who the diviner is, but she knows that this guy that she's got, you know, she rescued might be able to give her some information. So she decides to go speak to him. And instead, she's confronted by the Vindicator and Dreadnought, but the diviner knocks her out from behind. Yeah. That didn't see come in. I didn't either. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, when she wakes up, you better be gone. <laughs> <laughs> that divine about run. That's all I can say. <laughs> but why does Jay Wayne have like an automatic personal hollow body guard that comes into play as soon as she's unconscious? <laughs> <laughs> don't know. <laughs> like two hollow Janeways that just beam in like Charlie's Angels starts with phasers ready to go. <laughs> yeah, she should definitely have something like that or some kind of personal Borg shield like the Borg Queen. <laughs> so where do we put this episode? Nice to see the backstory. Um, I would probably go with like an eight. It was, it was a filler episode, really. Mm. Um, and I just like the way it was done. So I will probably go with an eight or seven and a half, eight. I'm happy with an eight. Yeah. Seven and a half if the cliffhanger wasn't so great. Yeah. I was just like, oh my goodness, you just judo chop Janeway. That is the last thing you were ever going to do. <laughs> How does someone manage to come up on Janeway from behind and take her out? I mean, come on, Janeway. Judo chop Janeway, you are in for it. <laughs> <laughs> so the next episode is called Ghosts in the Machine. Where do you see this going? I think this is going to carry straight on. So it will now be up to seeing what the Diviner and the Vindicator decide to do on the Dauntless. Right. You know, Admiral Janeway is going to have to retake her ship, which she's an expert doing. So it won't, it won't take her too long. Right. The other thing that I noticed as well is the Vindicator's Dreadnought doesn't look as scary as the Diviner's Dreadnought, does it? No, it's new though, isn't it? 
who remember the Diviners uh, is 20 odd years old. So he's had a few upgrades, I imagine, along the way. Ah, uh, okay. It's just like, it doesn't look as frightening. I'm pretty sure it had a goatee. <laughs> Several times it just looked like it had a really big goatee. I was like, okay. Like I said, I still think somehow Jingwei is responsible for what happened to his planet. And it's all because he judo chopped her from behind. <laughs> so he started the chain of events. Yes. <laughs> and it'll turn out to all be all his fault. <laughs> yep. And she'll be like, this is what happens when you get on my bad side. <laughs> so thanks for listening to another episode of the 47th Hour. If you love our reviews, don't forget to like and subscribe and ensure you have notifications turned on so you know when we drop the next episode. 